Coming up on Podcast 1890, Tesla adds a New York hub. Rivian raises their ambitions and an armoured BMW i7. Yes, please. Well, please welcome to the gang a new Patreon producer, John W. Signed up a few days ago to be a producer of this podcast. John W., can't thank you enough for being just incredible at supporting the move to electrification, at supporting the work that I do here, helps me earn a living, and also... You know, just fight all the fossils that are out there trying to, you know those forces, you know the ones I'm talking about that are trying to delay this move to clean, green, electric transport. You're helping me to do that. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Wherever you are in the world, EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information. It's Thursday, 10th of August. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. Kicking off with Tesla boosting their distribution on the east coast and that's great because as tesla sells more and more vehicles making two million vehicles uh, almost this year service becomes really important not waiting a long time we know that plenty of tesla owners over the years have had a long wait for parts well Great news, the Tesla is leasing a 927,000-square-foot distribution center in, is it Newborough, New York, or Newborough, New York? Probably Newborough, I would have thought. Uh, aiming to enhance their distribution for service and parts. Scheduled to be in operations in October. It'll be the primary hub for, them, for the distribution of vehicle parts for the East Coast. Now, I found this as reported by the Orange County Partnership and SupplyChainDive.com. In addition to the New York facility, they are strengthening their supply chain uh, with other big investments as well. A $3.6 billion investment made to broaden Tesla's manufacturing presence in Nevada, where we think the semi-truck is going to be made and the 4680 cells, some of those as well. New battery plant going in. And earlier this year, Tesla announced an investment of $776 million for expanding their factory in Austin, Texas as well. I'll pop a link to that story in the show notes if you'd like to read more. Now, as of writing and recording this, uh, we thought that the I'd have all the details together. I haven't quite pulled them all together for the Cadillac Escalade IQ. General Motors uh, due to reveal the all-electric version of the Escalade to position the luxury SUV as a key player in its strategy to transition the lucrative models to profitable EVs. Well, GM anticipates their new EVs will not only be profitable, but match the profit margins of their gas-powered models by the middle of the decade. GM has an ambitious goal to achieve EV revenue of 90 billion dollars by the end of the decade. The Escalade IQ is the first conventional, if you want, Cadillac model to make the transition to all electric. The Lyric and the Celestic were brand new additions to the lineup. Their roadmap includes plans to exclusively sell only electric cars on the Cadillac brand by 2030. The pricing of the current Cadillac models ranges from about 81000 to about 150000 So if the electric version of the Cadillac IQ is $120,000, $140,000, I know if you're not used to the Escalade, it's going to blow your mind. Who's going to spend that much on a car that's Far too big, but hey, uh, people do, and people love them, and some people need them. Most people don't need an Escalade, let's face it. (laughs) Among the most expensive purchases by US consumers, the Escalade SUVs have become iconic, including the larger ESV model as well. And they are the most expensive cars that are sold in America if you strip out niche performance, luxury, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, etc. In recent market data, Edmunds recorded the average transaction price for an Escalade 
is $115,500, and they're selling plenty of them. Moving on. ChargePoint has launched a new network operations center to keep an eye on their 243,000 charging plugs installed in North America and Europe to boost the performance and reliability. They aim to achieve 100% uptime, a marked increase from the current 96% uptime. And 96% might seem like a lot, but when you've got that many plugs all operating 24-7, 365... It needs to be higher, let's face it. Uptime refers here, their definition of uptime, by the way, the individual ability of a charging port to dispense some sort of energy uh, rather than an average across multiple stations at one particular address. And also their uptime is the ability to dispense, not is it working at its, you know, is it derated? Is it not working properly? Is it just giving you 20 kilowatts when it should be giving you 50 or more? The... Network Operations Center actually went into action last month. They'll do continuous proactive monitoring to remotely detect any issues across all of their active ports on the ChargePoint network to incorporate machine learning and AI. Now, that I know it's a buzzword. Everything is including AI at the moment. But if you can do a degree of machine learning where... And a lot of charging companies do this, by the way. So I'm not singling out ChargePoint as being, you know, utterly special in this. I think FastNed do it. I think ChemPower do it. Um, To be able to recognize, if you can't fingerprint the car exactly because of a unique identifier, but certainly to know when a car plugs in, you've charged those vehicles enough to have a pretty good idea through machine learning of what that vehicle is. And it's really impressive that they do this as well. Not all charging companies do, but some of the, the... the more advanced charging companies are able to, when you plug your car in, even if your car doesn't say, hey, I'm a BMW i3, it goes, well, I've charged enough BMW i3s that I think it's this one with this size battery pack. And at this state of charge, it should be taking this much. And so if it's not, it's either a problem with the car or the charger. And hopefully through that learning, if the next BMW i3 that plugs in also gets a slow charge or the next car that plugs in gets a slower charge than what it thinks it should get it can start to flag it up to the 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 operators to say actually we think there's a problem with this charger to do it proactively it's just you know the technology is not it's not like star trek stuff it's out there right now and being used by other networks fantastic i hope that's what charge point are alluding to here when they say machine learning to spot malfunctioning charges in addition to the monitoring uh, there's a new advanced testing facility uh, in the same building to stress test ev charging stations uh, addressing the current industry challenge of reliability the lack of skilled technicians to repair broken charges is a very real problem uh, it's not like there's a surplus of of women and men sitting around going, hey, I'm fully qualified to fix EV chargers in high-voltage stuff, in high-powered stuff. Let me go and fix them. So opening up a training centre as well. Word on charge point. That's great news. Let's talk about the Ford Explorer next, should we? European vehicle. Uh, It's being shown off in Ireland, actually, this week, for those that want to go and have a look. It's going to be engineered and manufactured in Germany, the first electric vehicle to be produced at scale in the new Ford Cologne EV centre. It's going to have a big, large, movable touchscreen in the middle, audio setup specifically tailored to the interior with a sound bar, wireless integration, advanced driving assist, the Sync Move 2 infotainment system, 17-litre mega console between the driver and passenger, 
providing enough space, they say, for at least a 15-inch laptop. Fast charging ability. Didn't give it to me in kilowatts. I'm sure I could find it somewhere if it's been talked about online. 80% charge in 25 minutes. 10 to 80 in 25 minutes. That's a very decent charge rate. The Ford Explorer here in Europe is all part of Ford's commitment to offer a complete electric lineup of passenger vehicles by 2030 and commercially by 2035. And uh, we look forward to finding out more about the Ford Explorer. And it can be ordered from later this year, by the way. Now, British Columbia, next in the news. BC Transit, responsible for the public transportation outside of Greater Vancouver in British Columbia, has declared a substantial investment, $400 million, going into 115 all-electric buses. It'll also install 134 charging points, a significant contribution from the Canadian federal government, totaling $170 million, subsidises the endeavour. And it's an investment that's aligned, they say, with BC Transit's long-term vision to go fully electric on all of their public transportation, part of a broader Canadian government goal to have 5,000 zero-emission public transport and school buses by 2026. All right, moving on. Let's talk about the Volvo E. X30, should we? Oh, can't wait to find out more about the Volvo EX30. Every little thing I hear about it, every nugget of information, it just looks great. And, you know, you don't have to need a compact, small, you have to be living in Europe or a city to have this kind of car. This is, I think, just such a perfect segment car to go electric at this price. So it sits below the, uh, obviously, the XC40. The EX30, purely electric design from the ground up, 34950 That's US dollars, by the way. 35000 US dollars. And they will sell it for 35000 US dollars, and it'll be made in China. And I'll tell you in the next story after the break how they're going to get around the import tariffs. But first, let me talk to you about how minimalist it is. And it looks great. It's not minimalist in a way that they've just deleted stuff and left... <laughs> nothing there, although it is just a steering wheel and a big screen. It's very Tesla. But it's not just a mimic of Tesla. It's more like IKEA minimalism. You won't be surprised to hear it's Swedish and Volvo, and it's space maximizing, and it looks great as well. But it it, it doesn't feel sparse in this vehicle. And some of the examples they've given more recently, actually, since they first unveiled the car, is somewhere to Put your rubbish, and and so they have included a small washable rubber trash bin inside the vehicle, and because it's cute, they've put they've hidden a little cartoon mouse, kind of engraved, and they've called the mouse Morton by the way, and it's hidden behind the centre console. And it's really handy for small waste items. And if you've got children, and I'm guessing if you're interested in the X30, you may well have a family, then. Kids just generate all sorts of crud from the back seat. Everything gets thrown forward from, you know, banana peelings to toys they don't want. And and so just a great little big rubber cubby hole that you can pull out. It's dishwasher proof. And it's one example they're saying of how they've just kind of tried to rethink the things they've done before. The dashboard and control layout is unconventional to a Volvo. So Volvo until now have had plenty of buttons, uh, but there's no instrument cluster. There's an infrared sensor on the steering column to track your eye movement and head movement for the ADAS system, but otherwise the gear selector is a toggle on the steering wheel. The controls are integrated into the 12.3-inch tablet on the touchscreen. A contextual bar, as they call it, with essential functions remains fixed at the bottom of the screen. 
non-screen-based controls, the things that you do need, uh, you know, things like a, a slide-out cup holder. in the It's in the centre console, and so those things are all... And any buttons and everything like that are in the you know, for the windows, all in one single center console that you can put the wiring in, a single wiring loom. It really cuts down. It, there's, no, it, there's no even uh, uh, speakers in the doors because the way that you make a car, right, is to put speakers in the doors. Well, Volvo said, well, no, we can get the same sound or better with a big sound bar running across the front of the car. Therefore, it reduces the wiring to the doors. That saves cost for us. And they've done this just a thousand times and they've cut, Costs here and there, but they've not cut corners. And they say that that is a way that they're able to get the car at $35,000, currently accepting $500 deposits in the US. Officials expressing that its popularity has way surpassed their own expectations. But how will they sell it for $35,000? I'll tell you next. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about that. And also, Tesla virtual power plants using your home battery to earn some money as well. Stick around, those stories and more are coming up. And you can get your podcast ad-free if you would like to strip out the ads. You can do that by signing up to be a Patreon supporter. Not only does it help me earn a living, uh, but also, if you want, you can strip out the ads and you can pop that RSS feed in your dashboard. It's in the Patreon dashboard. You get your own login uh, into your feed, your uh, whatever app you use, and then there's it's ad-free, which, hey, is a nice, is a nice bonus uh, for every producer, exec producer, and above if you want to. Many people do pay more. Now, Volvo, here we go. That story I teased. They have found a way to circumvent the 25% tariff on a Chinese-made vehicle through the use of something called the Duty Drawback Program. It has the potential to um, bridge the moat, they say, of US import tariffs. Now, this is a $35,000 car, but made in China, so they can make it that cheap because, like I said to you before, innovative solutions, doing things differently, making it in China, and simplifying the vehicle. But... 25% Chinese import tariffs, you can't sell a $35,000 car and make any money on it. But you can if you use the duty drawback program. Unlike other tariff avoidance strategies, automakers can recover duties paid on imported vehicles, effectively recovering those import duties and fees that would otherwise be lost. And let me explain it. The Trade Facilitation and Enforcement Act of 2016 offered some flexibility into what is a very, very old program, the duty drawback program. The auto industry often leverages the duty drawback scheme. It's long running and the car industry uses it all the time when they import auto parts from China at lower costs. But no automakers that I know of import fully assembled vehicles from China. Now, Ford will probably join that practice next year with their redesigned Lincoln at Nautilus, by the way. It's a program that allows you to match the imports and exports from a certain country and avoid the China tariffs. Volvo and its subsidiary Polestar will be making their vehicles in China, notably Volvo South Carolina assembly plants that'll make 150,000 vehicles a year, has less than half the production capacity of companies like BMW and Mercedes in the US. And so Mercedes and BMW, they've got enough capacity in the US not to need this program, which is why we haven't really talked about it before. And it's entirely new to me. And I probably spent more time today than I needed on US government websites trying to understand what this very long running program is all about. But If Volvo can use it for fully assembled vehicles, that's brilliant. 
Now, Tesla are collaborating with Energy Hub to establish a virtual power plant in the northeast, using Tesla's fleet of power walls with customers to offer grid services and compensate homeowners if they use some of the energy in their battery packs. Energy Hub is a provider of distributed energy management systems, and Tesla are working with them to have an in-app experience. The seamless integration allows customers in Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island to do, join the program. So you've got a Tesla Powerwall, you can join the program, and uh, you can effectively bring your own battery to the party. And at peak demand for electricity, you sell some back to the grid. Energy Hub estimates the Powerwall owners can earn up to $1,500 per year for each kilowatt of power uh, that the utilities draw from their home battery. There are half a million power walls now deployed globally. So Tesla have got loads of opportunities to do these cool little projects uh, like this, which I just think is mega. I got an email from Solar Edge because I got the Solar Edge battery um, and they do a similar thing as well. The UK was doing something over the winter and Solar Edge. I, I was already in, enrolled in the Octopus scheme, but I, if I hadn't been enrolled in the octopus scheme uh, then they said do you want to enroll in the solar edge scheme to sell your energy you know back to the grid and we have some of your have some of your battery uh, as it were but um, that was a little bit too late uh, for me because i was already signed up but otherwise I, if you're involved in energy storage i think you'll be doing more and more of this uh, whether it's as a homeowner or as a uh, as a company like tesla to to make some extra money and trade those energy prices, really good idea. Moving on, Tesla has commenced the installation of V4s in Europe with Giga Berlin, uh, the latest to get them. They're the first V4s in Germany. They're sitting alongside some older V3s at the Giga factory in Berlin, but they also replaced v some of the V3s with V4s. Now, the V4s in Germany are the ones with the integrated display and the contactless card reader, so you don't have to have the Tesla app. You can just rock on up and start charging and tap your bank card or Apple Pay, etc., etc. And they also have a nice little solar canopy over the top as well. In addition to the site at Tesla in Germany, they've also put some V4 supercharged into France in Rennes. That was the third installation in France, the fifth one in Europe. That one is 20 stalls of 250 kilowatts each. And it's notable that the with the one we saw for the application in the UK, which is in a town called Swindon on the M4, they put in the planning, planning application 350 kilowatt V4. So I, they, I don't think it's clear yet. I think people are saying that they know. I don't think it's very clear yet what the maximum V4 power will be. The nameplates are actually different on all of them as well. I keep having a look at pictures on Twitter, people putting the nameplates on when they get to the V4s, and they're all slightly different. Like the ones in Graz in Austria uh, were 1,000 volt, 1,000 amps. And so that's, like, that's megawatt charging, but they, you know you won't be doing that through CCS2 connectors. So um, not without some chunky cooling. <laughs> melt the thing. Uh, and so... Uh, I don't think we we really know, but the ones at the minute at Giga Berlin, uh, I think are 250s, and the ones that are going in, in France are 250s. So there's one in Austria, three in France, now one in Germany, one in Netherlands as well. I bet my North American listeners are wondering, when do we get the V4s? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that they're rolling out in Europe before they roll out in, in the US and uh, Canada as well. And uh, we'll wait and see, I guess, but with more and more car makers coming on board the NACS, the Nax Connector, Tesla Connector, let's call it that, then it, there's an increased, I guess, interest in many people saying, hey, when do I get to charge on these V4 superchargers?
Moving on, Lamborghini will unveil their first electric crossover concept next week. It's a 2 plus 2 crossover at the Monterey Car Week. It'll launch in 2028, part of their push into electric mobility, and their eagerly anticipated fourth model line will manifest as a high-riding four-seat Super GT. Uh, they will follow that in 2029 with an all-electric Urus. Now, the Urus is a car that sold, or an SUV, that sold really, really well for Lamborghini. Though not much has been revealed about the 2 Plus 2 crossover's design. It will probably be inspired by a, a concept we saw called the Lamborghini Estoc, I think I would say it like that, uh, which we saw like 10 years ago, and they never put that into production because they went, oh no, we'll make the Urus instead because everybody wants an SUV. And then they sold loads of them and went, haha, we were right, everybody wants SUVs. Depressingly, depressingly. Uh, Lucid are next in the news. Their first overseas plant in Saudi Arabia will commence production of the Lucid Air EVs next month in September, according to the CEO Peter Rawlinson. The facility is named AMP2, or the AMP2 facility in the King Abdullah Economic City under construction for the last year. Lucid will send partially assembled vehicles from the US to Saudi Arabia where final stages of production will take place. All parts of the Lucid Air will be received from the AMP-1 factory in Casa Grande, Arizona, allowing for that local assembly to be finished in Saudi Arabia. When fully operational, the Saudi facility will produce up to 155,000 vehicles a year at peak capacity. The deal that they did between Lucid and the government there in Saudi Arabia um, is that the government will buy a bunch of Lucids, so 50,000 to begin with and another 50,000 optional. Uh, we heard that announcement last April, didn't we? And it's notable because Saudi Arabian government's public investment fund is the big shareholder, stakeholder in Lucid at 60% of the business. Now, Rivian uh, had their Q2 results out, and it's good news, actually. They raised their annual guidance after an impressive second quarter. Gross margins improved by 50%. In the last quarter, Rivian delivered 12,640 electric Rivians. That's a 50% increase on the previous quarter quarter. Production is gaining momentum after modifying their production lines to fit the new Enduro drive units and the new LFP battery packs, which reduced the costs by 25%. The Enduro drive units began being integrated into the R1 models, R1S, R1T. All the right things are moving in all the right directions in Rivian. Gross profit per vehicle is $35,000. They're saying it's uh, proof of their successful strategy, which they put in place earlier this year, uh, implementing measures to reduce expenditure and strengthen their their financial position. At the end of the quarter, Rivian had $9.2 billion in cash, so not short of a bob or two. Let's move on. And the final story today is all about an armoured BMW i7. This is just the coolest thing. Uh, So if you have a few enemies or, you know, you're a head of state, or you've just ticked people off over the years, and you've got a target on your back, for whatever reason, you probably drive an armoured car. A lot of, you know, very, very rich, paranoid people drive armoured cars, and uh, I've read articles about them over the years. They look from the outside just like normal versions. Uh, But now BMW has introduced the all-electric armoured i7. How cool is this? Um... It's the first time the current 7 Series has an armoured model. Steel plating in the sides of the vehicle, the door, the underbody, the roof, maximum protection all around. So whether that is explosives or bullets or drone attacks or hand grenades, 
you're going to be safe in this car. <laughs> Special glass as well, so no one can shoot through the glass. It will withstand ballistic attacks <laughs> from a projectile at 820 metres a second. I love all the stats about this. Special light alloy uh, wheels with run-flat tyres on it as well, so you can still do 50 miles an hour, even if your tyres have been shot out. And the standard i7s 0-60 to is about 4.5 seconds. It's about nine seconds, I'm afraid, on this one because it's so, so heavy. But hey, if you need to be safe, then you want to get one of these. <laughs> it really tickled me, that story. Uh, thanks for listening. That's your podcast for today. Our premium partners, Phil Roberts of Electric Future, Porsche of the Village of Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Island, sorry, Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good one, see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.